0: You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Hello and welcome to the final episode of 2023. I was hoping to squeeze in one more next week, but to be honest, I am totally drowning in client work and Christmas admin. The mental load is intense this time of year. Just in the past week or so, the kids have had their Christmas fair, Christmas jumper day, Christmas lunch, two pantos, and three Christmas concerts. So yeah, it's been busy. (laughs) But since this is the final episode of the year, I do want to take a moment to reflect a little bit. And don't worry, I'm not going to get too sentimental here, but I do want to be honest with you. Podcasting has been a totally new challenge for me. And I came very close to quitting after the fourth episode. I hated it. I had no idea what I was doing. I totally underestimated how much work goes into creating a podcast. I just kind of naively thought that if I can do a TV or radio interview, then a podcast would just be like a really long and informal version of that. So it was a steep, learning curve. But I'm glad I stuck with it because I can honestly say that these days, the podcast is the highlight of my week. It's given me a reason to reach out and connect, or in many cases, reconnect with so many of you in the industry. I've been honored to have a stream of incredibly smart and engaging guests every week. I've learned so much from each of you, and I'm pleased to say that I have a number of retailers already booked for 2024. In January, I'll also be speaking to Helen Dickinson of the BRC, as well as two of my KPMG Retail Next Think Tank members. I'll be speaking to Paul Martin, head of retail at KPMG. And I'll also be speaking to Nick Bubb, the legendary retail analyst, who is going to be joining me to unpack some of the January trading updates. So watch this space. But for now, I wanna say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened, liked, subscribed, or shared the podcast. I hope that you'll continue to find value in these conversations. And as always, if you have any ideas for the podcast, any feedback, any guests that you'd like to recommend, I really love hearing from you. So please, please, please get in touch. You can email me. You can email me on hello at nbkretail.com or you can drop me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. Okay, let's get on with today's show. This is a podcast about retail disruption, and in most cases, that disruption is positive. We're usually talking about technology and innovation and how these things make life better for the customer. But today, we're talking about a different kind of disruption, shoplifting. Retail thefts across England and Wales jumped by 26% last year. Shopping malls like the Trafford Centre in Manchester are putting police stations on site. And supermarkets are beefing up security measures, they're equipping their staff with body cams, and some are even offering free coffee to police officers in a bid to deter potential shoplifters. Retail bosses are now calling on the government to take action on what they refer to as a fast-growing epidemic. Joining me to explore this issue in more detail is Chris Noyce, Communications Director at the Association of Convenience Stores. Chris, just how big of a problem is this for retailers?
1: Hi, Natalie. It's. Um, I would say it's great to be here, but I'd love to be here for for other reasons other than talking about uh, <laughs> the, the epidemic of shop theft. But, uh, <laughs> but there we are. Um, shoplifting is a serious problem, not just inconvenience, but across all retail, both food and non-food, and it's something that has been getting worse and worse uh, for a number of years now. And uh, I think. Where we've really seen a, a big jump is when things started to open up after the pandemic. So obviously, with with lots of stores closed during the pandemic, there were uh, big drops in, in numbers of shop theft uh, because you know, people didn't have that many places to go and steal stuff. Um, harder but to shop
0: theft online, isn't it? <laughs> it? Well, yeah, it's
1: harder, definitely.
0: Um,
1: but since the pandemic, we've seen a real acceleration in in, in theft, which many people are linking to the, the cost of living crisis, to, to the issues that people are facing. Uh, and the latest figures we've got from from just this month are saying it's now hit another record high in convenience and i'm sure given all the national stories everywhere that that's being mirrored in other parts of retail as well
0: wow and it's probably worth calling out that this issue isn't specific to the uk because if you look at the us for example the nrf the national retail federation has released some data around this. They showed that the average shrink rate last year was 1.6% and the year before it was 1.4%. Now that might not seem like a big difference, but it's costing US retailers over a hundred billion dollars a year. And shrink, of course, also includes lost and damaged products, but theft accounts for the majority of that figure, accounts for around two thirds of, of that. So just coming back to the UK though, Chris, what in your view is behind this growing wave of shoplifting? Is it a result of the cost of living crisis, which you sort of just alluded to? Is it because people are falling on hard times or are we looking at more organized retail crime?
1: So we we look at the motivations for shop theft every year uh, and retailers are pretty clear about the people that are uh, stealing from their stores because unfortunately they see them pretty often. Um, these are repeat offenders. For the most part, two thirds of them are repeat offenders. They are pe- people that are targeting higher value items. They're targeting things like meat, cheese, coffee, wine, um, alcohol, uh, toiletries. Those kinds of things that are they're easy to sell on, and they're high enough value that it's worth doing so. And when we are, we we ask retailers about whether there's a, a link to the cost of living crisis, and you hear a lot in the papers about. Uh, nappies and baby formula being tagged, and what a what a nightmare that is, and and what a you know a, a state of the country's in now because you know we're having to stop mothers from stealing those things. The reality of that situation is is not that people are going in who are otherwise good people and stealing for themselves. The reality actually is a, is a bit more sinister than that, in that it's organised gangs and it's people that are dealing with addiction and have substance issues that are going in and stealing those products to sell them on to people that are struggling with the cost of living, not enough to steal themselves, but enough to think, instead of paying, I don't know, eight pounds for that formula in, uh, in a shop, I'll pay five pounds for it from someone down the pub or someone on Facebook. And you know, that, that secondary market, that black market, has become increasingly popular over the last couple of years because of the cost of living crisis. And you know, when you, when you look at things like baby formula, when you look at things like alcohol, we don't know that those things are, as they were when they were stolen they could be being cut with other stuff they could be you know diluted so it's a really dangerous problem that is uh, at kind of epidemic levels at the moment
0: yeah it's it's really kind of a sad state of affairs isn't it and you know you talked about what motivates these shoplifters i'm curious to get your thoughts on whether you think it's perceived as a victimless crime
1: well the idea of a victimless crime is, is in thought well, in shop theft is is really problematic because ultimately what you're doing for the convenience stores for the majority of which are are small businesses is you are making it harder for them to trade convenience stores particularly have had a, a really difficult time over the last couple of years with things like energy costs and and business rates and other other costs going up so when theft goes up and for some stores it's in the tens of thousands of pounds per year uh, just on theft that can be the difference between a store turning a profit that year and making a loss. So on a, on a purely financial standpoint, that has a significant impact and the victims are the people that are trying to run that business. The second impact is the, is the mental health impact and the, you know, the risk of abuse and violence uh, that people in the store face. We know that there is a direct link between theft and abuse in store uh, and that comes because people are so sick of seeing criminals coming in and stealing on a regular basis that they will challenge them and they'll say, look, we, you know, we know what you're doing. We know you're coming in. We know you're stealing this stuff, cut that out. But what happens is these criminals are so confident that they're not going to be apprehended. They're so confident there'll be no police response that they then resort to abuse, they resort to violence. And you know, that takes a toll. That can be a life changing impact for someone who is you know, probably working at or close to the national living wage, might be quite young, might be working on their own in some cases. It's a you know it's a huge potential impact for you know what is the, the theft of just a few items that um you know that can change someone's life.
0: That's really interesting. And actually I wanted to come on to the impact of shoplifting and what retailers can do about it. And And you've already touched on staff abuse. So I would like to go back to that in, in a moment cause there's, there's a lot to kind of unpack here, but, um, I think you've already sort of called out the fact that the obvious impact of shoplifting is that it directly dents a retailer's profitability. And of course, at a time when margins are already under pressure, it's already a really tough climate for retailers. Mm. Um, in fact, in the U.S., Walmart CEO Doug McMillan has said in the past that if retail theft um, continued unchecked, that stores would potentially close and customers would fa- uh, would find higher prices in stores because, you know, retailers can only take so much loss here that eventually yeah. something's got to give, right? But then, of course, there is this much more serious issue of staff and customer safety and a retailer's number one priority is to provide a safe environment for both employees and and shoppers. And so we've seen a lot of investment in things like staff body cams, security guards, which I imagine aren't cheap, (laughs) Um, undercover security guards, extra security gates at the checkout, lots of different things retailers are are trialing. But then some retailers are taking the view that they shouldn't be forced to turn their stores into prison camps, in Mm -hmm. the words of uh, M&S chairman Archie Norman. So, what can or, or what should retailers be doing to tackle this issue?
1: Well, it's a really difficult. Uh, it's a really difficult balance that retailers have to strike because you're absolutely right there there has been a lot of investment in these kind of measures, and for some retailers that are getting desperate with some of this, they've gone to locking fridges, locking freezers, putting all the high value items behind the till, and you know when you get to that point, especially if you're I I sympathize with with Archie Norman and the the M&S model. You're supposed to be a welcoming environment. You're supposed to be a place where people who are looking for different products can find those products, can touch and feel them, can pick them up. If you can't do that, that provides a real problem for, for any retailer. And you you might as well, as you said, it's it's hard to steal online. You might as well just be online because if everything's behind the till or, or behind a locked door anyway, then it's, then it's a real problem. Um, you're right about security. Security is incredibly expensive and prohibitively expensive for lots of businesses. Um, but the, it's difficult to reduce the amount of theft through investment. What retailers are doing is trying to get the best way of gathering evidence about what's happening. And so whether it be CCTV, whether it be body-worn cameras um, to reduce you know the impact of abuse, whether it be um, panic alarms or all those kinds of things, that's about trying to mitigate the issue and saying, look, if you do this, we will know who you are, we have evidence, and there is more likelihood that you're going to be caught. And that's where, I think, unfortunately, we, we still need the police to be able to back us up on that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, the, the, yeah. the in- investment in crime detection and prevention versus making the store... Look a little bit less like Fort Knox in the morning is is a really <laughs> difficult balance.
0: It is. It is a really difficult balance. And it's interesting to see, just to build on your last point, it's interesting to see how retailers are almost taking it upon them, taking it upon themselves to collaborate with the police. So John Lewis, for example, has started offering free coffee to police officers and allowing them to use their break rooms. So that's something they just started a few months ago. And they've said that the police presence or you know just having a police car parked out front can act as a real deterrent to potential shoplifters. And then of course in the US you have a more extreme, um, extreme measures being taken by Walmart. Again, going back to Walmart as an example here, they actually opened a mini police station in one of their stores. Mm, and again, is... they're allowing police to come in and and yeah, charge that's their not phones unique that either. Sort of thing.
1: That, um we've had some retailers in Cambridgeshire that have had little sort of police offices, mini police stations in, in petrol station stores. It's a, it's a thing that it does have an impact because it, you know, in the back of that person's mind, they're thinking, is there someone in there or, you know, is there someone about to turn up? So it, yeah, it does work. And I'm not suggesting that every one of the 50 or thousand convenience stores and and thousands (laughs) more supermarkets then put police stations in because let's be honest, we probably don't have enough officers to fill them, but, um, you know, it, it is a measure that works in, in some cases.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's super interesting. We're going to come on to sort of what the government can do about this and what mm. police can, can do about this as well. But before we do that, I want to ask you about staff abuse because you've already kind of touched on this. The latest BRC crime survey showed that incidents of violence and abuse towards retail colleagues has almost doubled on pre-pandemic levels to over 800 incidents a day. And I know that the Retail Trust is doing a lot of great work raising awareness of this issue and encouraging staff to report these incidents, because a lot of times these these incidents just, you know, they, they go unreported. And um, it's just to read out a few stats from the Retail Trust. They've said that two in five shop workers are now shouted at, spat at, threatened or hit every week. Nearly half of them feel unsafe at work. Around two thirds said that confronting a shoplifter had caused the abuse, and they think that these incidents have increased in the last couple of years. Um, the last thing I'd, I'd call out here, actually, this is interesting as well. Around two thirds have said that they want stricter penalties for customers who abuse shop workers. So, what what more can be done? I mean, how else can retailers protect their staff from from this kind of abuse?
1: yeah it's it's a it's a real challenge and something that we've heard um is extremely common uh, and this this again was was very common during the pandemic there were lots of people that were um abusing staff because of covid measures and not wanting to wear a mask or not wanting to social distance or people not having the right products in store and and people getting annoyed about that and to be honest we hoped that we would see a bit of that calming down um but it's not been the case. Uh, if anything, the focus has just changed from the COVID measures into then um, people that are stealing or, or people that are drunk in stores. And as I said earlier, these these are all potential life-changing impacts. Um, retailers can do as much as they can when it comes to you know, laying out the store, the, keeping the COVID uh, screens up so that there's some sort of physical barrier between uh, the tills and and customers. Again, it's not something that retailers particularly want to do, but um, keeping their, their people safe is, is really important. Uh, we've worked with the Home Office on a, on a campaign called Shop Kind, which has you know, some materials out in the store. Which is not necessarily trying to stop the worst offences, but it's trying to stop the people that are just having a bad day from taking that out on someone behind the till. And this idea that they're sort of faceless um, is, you know, is, is potentially quite dangerous as well. So just trying to get them to think and, and just be nice to people. And it's, it is astonishing that we have to spend money on a campaign to tell people not to be horrible to each other, but you know, that's where we are. Um, But for the worst offenses that, you know, the people that are, are stealing and and being attacked. um, the, The main thing is reporting and it's, it's making it clear if you're a business and this happens to you, that whenever this occurs, a crime is being committed and that should be reported to the police because it's so easy, as you said, just to, get into a bit of a spiral where it becomes part of the job and it becomes normal. Mm-hmm. I was doing some filming a few years ago with a, a lady who worked in a, in a co-op store. And she said she'd had six armed robberies in the last year. One of which where they took her car because she had her keys on her. And I said like, what, you know, it's got to make you not want to go to work. And she said, oh, it's just, you know, that's, just factored in now as part of the job. And it shouldn't be wow. that, that, that shouldn't be a thing that's, normalized. So yeah, it it's not gonna change overnight, but reporting is a is a is a major factor to, to getting the police to taking it seriously.
0: Yeah, and it does I get the sense that it's the lack of fear of being caught or the lack of repercussions, I suppose, if you are caught that just seems to be feeding this problem. And so maybe this is a nice segue into what more we can ask from the government and the police because When I was prepping for this podcast, I was really surprised to learn that only 14% of shoplifting offenses actually result in a charge. And then I was even more surprised to learn that five years ago, that figure was 30%. -hmm. And that's because in that time, the government, of course, downgraded shoplifting from a relatively serious crime to a misdemeanor. And the industry I know is calling on the government now to do two things. So to create a standalone offense, of assaulting or abusing a retail worker and also getting the police um to prioritize uh shoplifting and and retail crime more generally so what are your thoughts on this chris what what more can we ask from the government and or and or police to um to help to alleviate this problem
1: yeah so your figure of 14 percent there about um sort of convictions or, or, or outcomes is, is quite shocking, but it's even more so when you think that just 16% of the offences that occur are even being reported.
0: Wow. So
1: it's the scale of the, the real scale wow. of the problem is so much bigger than, than the courts would even be able to deal with. Um, we have had some changes in the last, last year or so. So um, there are now tougher sentencing guidelines for anyone that attacks uh, a retail worker. But that's only at the point of sentencing. That's you know that's right at the end of the uh, of the chain, if you like, uh, and it's not when you know, it's, it's not helping more criminals being being apprehended. So uh, I think what's needed is a real commitment to tackling retail crime from every police and crime commissioner in the UK, uh, and obviously uh, well, England and Wales, police and crime commissioners are in England and Wales, and then, and then we, we you know when you commit from Scotland as well. Uh, and the reason I talk about police and crime commissioners is because they are elected in each of those areas to set the priorities of the local forces and to hold them to account. So if they prioritise retail crime and responding to retail crime, then we would go some way to having this uh, be a more serious um, issue for for police forces, response rates would, would increase. And most recently, so just a couple of weeks ago, we had a publication of what's called the Retail Crime Action Plan. And This is a series of guidelines for the police uh, setting out various things. So it's about prioritising attendance at the scene of crimes where there's been violence used. It's about using facial recognition technology and and trying to automate the uh, recognition of criminals, um, which at the moment I think is broadly quite a manual process and takes quite a long time. Um, Identifying where there are are really... um, serious hotspot locations, if you like, where lots of crime is taking place, where additional resource can be uh, put onto that area. Uh, And then having a real standardised process for how retailers report crime. And I think all of these things, if they're they're implemented by all the forces, that will take us a long way from where we are now, which is retailer phones up, says we've had XYZ stolen from the store. What should we do about it? And they go, here's your crime number. Thanks very much. And then it is no surprise that retailers are saying, you know what, for the sake of half an hour on the phone, I just won't bother.
0: Mm, when they have so much else to do, you know, yeah. to begin with, we've got this labor shortage, they've got so much on their plate. And uh, yeah, I can imagine that's just a little bit of extra admin that at the moment, you know, isn't probably worth their while. Mm. Um, but there is that danger, as you've already pointed out, that this kind of behavior and this kind of activity just becomes normalized. And uh, I think that is that is a real concern. But um, just moving on then to a question around automation and mm. whether or not that is potentially exacerbating this problem, because we all have seen since the pandemic, retailers have made this big push to self-service through self-checkouts or scan and go, or, you know, even in some cases where you can literally just walk out uh, of the store. So it creates a great experience for the customer, but um, it obviously create some challenges for retailers and, you know, shrink, shrink is a problem here. And um, we have seen retailers take steps to address this by adding cameras, uh, closing some self checkouts. So some of the tills to make sure that you've got a a good ratio of, of, you know, um, staff to, to shoppers, you've got enough eyeballs on potential shoplifters. Mm. Um, And also implementing extra measures like uh, some supermarkets have started putting gates in at the self checkouts, and you now have to you know scan your receipt to to exit and again, to your earlier point, you know this does add friction to something that 's designed to be frictionless uh, Waitrose has even trained its staff now to spot customers trying to scan cheaper items at the self checkout so so it 's yeah. a real real problem. And I just wonder what you're seeing in the space, whether it's as much of a problem in the convenience store sector, or is it just, is it more of a a big supermarket issue?
1: No, it's very much a problem in the the convenience sector as well. I think for for big supermarkets, the issue they've got is that probably feels less like they're being directly watched because it's a bigger space and you, mm. you feel a little bit less overlooked yep. whereas in a convenience store hopefully there'll be someone reasonably close by who can see what's going on they you know they might say hello as you're coming in the door um but yeah it's a, it's again it's a really difficult balance because you mentioned stores want a, a re- reasonably frictionless experience and um, i was in um chancery lane just a couple of weeks ago looking at the the stores, there's an Amazon there, there's a Sainsbury's there, there's a Tesco there, all have that just walk out technology. That's and the hot spot for it. <laughs> yeah, it's where, where there's kind of testing a lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, get, getting beyond the idea that all of those are very quiet and the normal shops opposite were very busy, we'll sort of maybe just park that for another time. Um, the 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 friction is, is right at the start of the journey there. So it's, it's just walk out, but it's not necessarily just walk in because – Know, especially for the Sainsbury's one, you've got to scan the QR code, you've got to have an account set up, you've got to do all these things, and that partly is to try and reduce the amount of theft because the idea is that then anyone coming into the store can pick up whatever they want, but they'll be charged for it. And you know, I, I think we may be getting to a point where retailers are looking at that even more, not from a sort of you know, great automation AI customer experience point of view, but from a from a one staff safety point of view, and two from a from a security point of view, and in reducing theft by, you know, having that barrier to entry, because let's face it, there are given the level of of theft at the moment, there are plenty of people coming into stores that are getting that just walk out experience just without the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, changing that I think is is going to be something that we'll see more and more of. But it's a big investment, and if you're if you're not willing to make that investment, and you you know you just want to have a slightly less um, frictioned experience than you know, some self-service tills with some normal tills is is the way that a lot of retailers are going. And yeah, self-service tills seem like this free reign for people to be able to try and game the system or people to try and think that they can get away with stuff I and mean, we've heard all sorts from people scanning items that don't have uh, a weight associated with them because the weight of them changes every year and i'm not going to get into specific details so i don't want to teach people how to do this but <laughs> um you know scanning things and then, and then putting loads of stuff on the scale so it looks like that, that they're doing this and this, these will be all the things that you said people in waitrose are being trained to, to spot and if anything this kind of thing is is at its worst with the people that are otherwise normal people, because people who are gonna steal, pro- probably, you know, if they're stealing to order, if they're part of organized groups or that kind of thing, they're just gonna walk in, they're gonna fill up a bag and they're gonna walk out. They're not gonna bother with trying to game a self-service till. The people that are doing this at self-service tills are normal people that think shoplifting is somehow twee or interesting, or it makes them daring and they can go home to a dinner party and say, oh, I scanned this this 5.99 bottle of wine and, and got a, you know, chateau Neuf to pat in the bag for, for free and it's just one it's a bit pathetic because these people are supposed to be adults and two it's no less of a crime and if anything they're probably stealing higher value items that would be stole, stolen otherwise so you know i th- i really want to get away from this idea that that theft from self-service tools especially in you know some of the nicer stores the m&s that kind of thing is somehow this victimless crime or is somehow acceptable because it's not if you're doing it you're committing a crime and in an ideal world you should be punished for that
0: yeah and you know Archie Norman again to go back to uh, Archie Norman the MNS chair he was on LBC recently and I've got a quote from him in front of me I'll just read it out he said with the reduction of service you get in a lot of shops, a lot of people think this didn't scan properly, or it's very difficult to scan these things through. And I shop here all the time. It's not my fault. I'm owed it. So that's exactly what you just said. There is this sense of, like, well, it's not really my fault. And uh, it's, but it's the same thing as going in and intentionally taking something off the shelf. I mean, yeah, there's no, such a, no it's difference. It's such a sort
1: of silly sense of entitlement, is it? It's, it's justification for it. It's like pe- people are not. Those people would not go into a store, I mean, I hope they wouldn't, go into a store and put something down the back of their trousers and try and walk out. But doing that on a till, more than happy to do so, it's like, it's the same thing. You're walking out without paying.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's why we're seeing um, re- some retailers like Booth's, for example, do a U-turn. They're actually removing all of the self-checkouts from their stores and they're they're going back to man checkouts. And I'm not saying that that was the justification for it. There's a lot of other reasons why self-checkouts don't work out. And people still, of course, want and value that human connection you get from uh, a man checkout. But uh, surely that that's probably a factor in making a decision such as that. Yeah. So it'd be interesting I've, to watch.
1: I wonder if it's, because uh, I used to work in retail when I was younger. And the amount of times a day when you'd get something that didn't have a price on it or something that didn't scan, and the person goes, Oh, is it free then? It's like, Well, no, <laughs> no. it's not. <laughs> but they're, they're probably having that conversation with the self scan till. And if it doesn't scan, they go, Oh, is it free then? And that little voice in their head goes, Yeah, why not? And it's, yeah. it's you know, yeah. I, I can completely understand why Booth is doing it because they don't want to have to put up with it anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I am. I just personally can't stand self checkouts. I just I feel like the alarm's always going off. I'm always asking for help, and you know, I I do. I I persevere. I keep trying, but um, I I just personally can't understand how people can game the system because I can't get it to work. <laughs> I'm trying to do the right thing, but there you go. Um, Chris, I want to ask you one, two more questions. One one question around social media and how mm-hmm. that might be fueling some of the shoplifting uh, that we're seeing. So earlier this year, we saw, I don't know, it, I have in my notes, uh, a, a mass shoplifting rampage. <laughs> Sounds pretty dramatic, but but it was, it was dramatic. This this mass shoplifting rampage on Oxford Street, it was organized through TikTok. It caused chaos. Some people, some shoppers were briefly locked in stores. The road was close to traffic and it seemed like police really struggle to maintain order. Fortunately, I don't think we've seen any repeat attacks, but I'm curious to get your views on this. Do you think this is something we need to uh, potentially look out for in the future?
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult to to control. It's very difficult to deal with, very difficult to anticipate because these things happen very, very quickly. Um, and look, social media and especially TikTok can be a force for good for lots of retailers. There are lots of lots of stores, lots of shops. Lots of restaurants, Binley Mega Chippy being one of them, that had, you know, became a viral sensation. You know, we looked at Prime over the last year has become a, a huge thing. A lot of that fueled by by social media, and you know, it can be really beneficial to retailers. But the nasty side of it is when you get TikTok trends that are not just going in and looting, but going in and assaulting shop workers. We've seen some of that as well. Uh, people that are seem to think that they're a social media star because they're doing illegal stuff on camera and that somehow absolves them of any responsibility. And yeah, like you say, the the, the instance on Oxford Street where you have essentially a large mass of people all descending on a store at the same time and looting that store, that essentially turns into a riot. And it's extremely dangerous. And anyone who's considering getting involved with that sort of thing, just have a, obviously just have a good look at yourself because it's, it's, it's potentially dangerous. You could end up with a criminal record and you know, there's no benefit to it, to it whatsoever. And I completely feel for a lot of retailers you know, in London and elsewhere that have basically locked their front door and said, look, you're only coming in. Like we said earlier about the just walk out technology, that the, the barrier mm. to entry is on the way in. You're only coming in if we know who you are and we'll only let you out if we know that you've paid. And you know, that, if we get serious enough, that will be the, the shopping experience of the future. And you know, when you, you look at the, the difference between online and bricks and mortar, it will only get more and more stark because people will be frustrated with the experience that they're having.
0: Yeah. That's that sounds pretty sad in my opinion, because the whole the whole point of going to a physical store is to have that discovery and to have that um that kind of sensory experience and being able to touch stuff and try stuff on. And if, if more and more things are having to be protected and and I understand why um then it it sort of detracts from the whole experience so I, I i i really feel for retailers trying to get that balance right and uh you know getting the whole shoplifting ch- um issue under control while also not you know totally alienating customers and killing the the experience so it's a really difficult balance mm. but if we end on a slightly more positive note um let's look ahead to 2024 do you think this issue is going to potentially become more problematic? Or are there perhaps some reasons to be cheerful for the future?
1: I hope that we've peaked. So I, m- I mentioned at the start that we'd, we'd reached a new high in the, the number of retailers that are saying that shop theft has increased over the last year. Uh, I hope we've reached a peak. With, with the Retail Crime Action Plan and, and police forces and police crime commissioners taking this more seriously, with the amount of media attention this has had over this year, I think Every week, you see a story in the papers about theft and and the issues that uh, it causes, and you know, that has gone all the way to the top of government and and ministers saying that they they are taking this more seriously and and have plans in place to um, punish the people that are, are doing this. So, I think there are reasons to be cheerful. I think you know we we talked about some of the most extreme examples today, but I still think that while retailers see the worst of people through this, through abuse as well, they also see the best of people. And that is still a majority of people that are coming in and having hopefully a positive experience and making a, you know, making a helpful difference to their communities. So, you know, we, we might be back here in a year's time saying, you know, it, it's even worse than it was, but I think with with some hope that we are on the right track to, to to getting a grip on this.
0: Chris, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your many insights on this important topic. And to our listeners, if you want to learn more about Chris and his work at ACS, you can visit acs.org.uk. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.